Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith, and yes, even joy. Underlying every conversation is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, which makes it possible to not just survive the loss of a child, but to live well while we're waiting to see them again in heaven one day. You can learn more about our ministry and the free Bereaved Parent Retreats we host by visiting our website at www.whilewe'rewaiting.org. Welcome to episode number 124. I'm pleased today to introduce you to my new friend, Mariah Rooney. Mariah has a beautiful testimony of praising Him anyway, even in the midst of loss. Settle in and listen as she shares the stories of her precious babies, two in heaven and one with her here, and how she has grappled with deep questions of faith and even some anger on her journey. We also discuss pregnancy after loss and the beautiful ministry she and her husband Brian have established to memorialize the lives of infants and children who are now in the arms of Jesus. I know you'll be blessed by what she has to share. Hi, Mariah. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I've been looking forward to having you on. You know, I've personally met most of my guests that I've had on my podcast, but you and I have actually not had a chance to meet in person. We did have a nice long phone conversation. Uh, I guess that was last week, but I would love for you to take just a few minutes and tell our listeners all about yourself. Tell us where you're from and what life is like for you there. Yeah, So I am from Wilmington, North Carolina. We're right on the beach. Um, Grew up here my whole life, went to college here, and I am married. We actually just celebrated our eight-year anniversary on Tuesday. Wow. Um, I know. It went by really fast. And we have two boys, and I'm actually currently pregnant seven months with our daughter. Wow. Yeah, that's exciting. All right. Well, let's go ahead and just kind of jump right into our conversation. We want to talk about your babies today. You actually have two babies in heaven, right? Take just a couple of minutes and talk about your first baby, if you would. Yeah. So our first baby actually came after a couple years of infertility. My husband and I had been married for a few years and we had been wanting, you know, a family and we had known for a while that we wanted a large family. We both come from smaller families. And so we had tried for a year and a half. And then we said, you know, we should see what's going on. Is there something wrong with you or me? And um, he actually went and got tested and his sperm count came back pretty low Um, Actually, it was significantly low. And so we started on something called Clomid, which is very similar to the female version of Clomid, which is just an infertility medication for men to help increase their sperm count. Mm -hmm. And probably about three months into that, we just felt like the Lord was telling us to get off of it, (laughs) which was pretty scary considering just the deep urge of wanting to have a family. And so... I remember we just, you know, completely surrendered to the Lord and said, all right, well, we're going to get off of it. And 
you know, our heart's desires, you know, to have a family. And I mean, I've always wanted to be a mom. And it was two months actually after we completely got off of Clomid that we got pregnant. And I would say as quick as we were able to experience joy, we found out that the baby didn't have a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And so it was absolutely devastating. And it was just tragic. Truthfully, it was just tragic. I remember being very angry with the Lord just because he knew just how long we had wanted to conceive and to feel like you have something and then it be taken away so quickly just left me feeling very sad. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine how disappointing that would be when you were so looking forward to starting your family and then you find out that you're pregnant. And then, like you said, almost as soon as you found out you're pregnant, the baby didn't have a heartbeat. So that joy and then that disappointment must have been very hard. Yeah, it was really hard. You know, I mean, we hadn't even gotten the privilege to share with our family that we were expecting and then we were already grieving. So yeah, it felt a little upside down because no one really knew that we were grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of share in the same sentence we were expecting, but we lost the baby was pretty painful. Sure. And so then how long after that was it before you found out you were pregnant again? So it probably was close to six or seven months we found out we were expecting again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty reserved at that time, but really excited. Yeah. So talk about that pregnancy. Yeah. So, gosh, that was... Almost four years ago, because that is our son, Roman, now, who was about to be three in January. Mm -hmm. And um, the pregnancy was actually really, really good, you know, all things considered. I mean, it was healthy. Um, We didn't have any scares and everything was going great until about 34 weeks. And at 34 weeks, my water broke and we didn't. (laughs) You know, we weren't prepared. We hadn't done our hospital tour. We hadn't done any of the things. We had no bag packed for the hospital. And I just remember looking at my husband and saying, I'm almost positive that this is, you know, we're going to have a baby. I I think my water is broken. And so we rushed to the hospital and they tell us there get prepared. He's going to be born, you know, within the next 24 hours. And I remember my husband and I just looking at each other, like we were not ready, Lord. We still had a couple more weeks left, you know, Um, that was such a interesting night of just speeding everything up really fast. Yeah. And then Roman came and, and he was healthy. Everything was fine. Yeah, so he actually was healthy, even though he was six weeks early. He had to be in the NICU for two weeks, right? Actually, before he was born, the nurses had said to us, you know, be prepared. He's not going to come out breathing. And Mm -hmm. my husband and I looked at each other as soon as the nurse had said that. And we just prayed against it. And we knew that 
like he was going to come out breathing and we knew that the Lord was going to do something. Babies at 34 weeks gestation, even though it seems pretty close to full term, their lungs are still just not quite developed. And so that was the main cause of concern. When Roman was born, we had probably close to 10 people in the room, just a whole bunch of NICU staff, like ready to just take him and whisk him away. Um, But praise the Lord, he came out breathing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he was just in the NICU to learn how to to nurse and to feed and um, for jaundice and other things that were not as critical as breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet it was a wonderful feeling the day you finally got to bring him home. Oh my goodness. I I think we were skipping out of the hospital. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was beautiful. We, um, thankfully it wasn't, it was right when COVID had started, but all of the, um, regulations and, you know, things like that weren't in place yet. So we still had a lot of family that were able to come and we had um, some of our pastors come and just pray for him. And I think for us, you know, we had never gone through something like that before, especially, you know, being really, really new parents, having to hold a baby so small. I mean, he was only four pounds with all the wires and things like that. It was pretty scary. So it was really nice to have, you know, there's people, the community with us that know us so well and we're able to just pray for him. Yeah. Wonderful. So it was just about three months after Roman was born and you found out that you were expecting again. (laughs) Talk about that. God is pretty comical sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we found out when Roman was three to four months old that we were expecting again. We were not trying, but we obviously were not preventing. But I remember telling my husband, we had tried so long for Rome and I just didn't think there was any way that we would be able to get pregnant again so quickly. And so when we did find out we were pregnant, it was a big shock. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really soon. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It was very soon. And I mean, we had only been home from the NICU for a couple months and we were still trying to get our bearings and, oh my goodness, looking back on it, I think I would consider us slightly crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, crazy, but I bet you were excited too about having another baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the pregnancy kind of progressed normally, it sounds like, and you found out you were going to have another little boy. And you chose his name. Uh, Talk about the name that you chose and why you chose it. Yeah. So we chose the name Noah. Honestly, we always kind of pray about the names that we give our children. And even with Roman, we had just prayed that the Lord would give us the right name for him. And so we just kind of repeated this process with Noah. And we both felt like Noah was the right name. His name means rest and comforter. And I just felt this strong, you know, peace about having him. And even though things are really crazy with having such a small baby at home and then being pregnant again, I just felt like the Lord was telling me rest. Mm. And my, I felt that in my heart and my, my husband also felt 
the same way about Noah. We just kind of felt like the Lord confirmed that for us. Yeah. Noah has an unusual middle name. Talk about his middle name. He does. So we usually pick biblical first names for our children. And then our middle names are usually a little unique that people haven't quite heard them before. So we went with Noah Wild. And I don't know, I feel like a wild can represent a bunch of different things. And, you know, after Noah passed away, it meant something completely different to me, his middle name. But it always kind of reminded me of like the wild and being adventurous and, you know, the idea of having another boy. I was like, my goodness, I'm going to have to be this strong mama (laughs) to raise, you know, two boys um, up in the Lord and, you know, just wanting them to be great companions and have a heart for Jesus and be kind and still gentle. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you had a lot of, you, you probably imagined those two boys, those brothers growing up so close because they were so close in age. Absolutely. Yeah. I think of it often of just having two under two, yeah. which I've always heard heard people say that before when they have two under two and I'm like, my goodness, how did you do it? And I, I think that would have been us, you know, like yeah. Noah was yeah. here that we would actually now be having three under three, which is wow. even crazier. I'm not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm not, I'm yes. not quite sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you would still love that though. I oh. would. I yes. really would. So talk about what happened with Noah. Yeah, so with Noah, our our pregnancy, again, was very normal. And again, normal is relative based on who you're talking with um, on a pregnancy. But we didn't have any red flags, didn't have, you know, gestational diabetes or anything like that that would cause us to think that something could be wrong with Noah. The only thing that I knew going into this pregnancy was okay, my pregnancies have been very close together. You know, I don't even Mm -hmm. think my body has had enough time to really physically heal from having Roman. And so that was always in the back of my mind. And then also Roman coming six weeks early, I just had this feeling that Noah would also come early too. And so I told my husband, we should just prepare for that. And in my mind, it was, I really don't want to be in the NICU. What do we have to do to ensure he doesn't make it, you know, to the NICU? And so we kind of followed up with our local hospital. You know, babies have to be 36 weeks in order for them to not have to go to the NICU. If there's any issues or things like that, obviously they would send them. But everything was great. We were going to all of our doctor's appointments. He was moving. He was so active. But... He also, there was this piece about having him. I don't even, I'm not quite sure I can put it into words. I just felt so connected with him. And I think most mamas can probably say say that when they're pregnant. They just feel so connected more so than dads typically do because you've had so much more time with your baby and your stomach. And I just felt like I knew him. And so... We get to our 34-week appointment, 
and I go into the OB and this is by the time, you know, COVID is here and there's all these regulations on who can go with you to your appointments and things like that. So my husband wasn't able to go. And so when I went in, I just had a feeling that I was dilated. I didn't, I wasn't having any contractions and, you know, there was nothing that I could pinpoint and say, you know, I just feel dilated. But I asked her, I said, could you please just check me considering my past history with, with Roman, you know, I really don't want to go to the NICU. So if I need to, you know, really take it easy or whatever it is. So she did check me. I happened to be two centimeters dilated already. Uh, She didn't think it was a cause for concern, but when she told me that immediately, I just broke down. And I think it was because I just knew like this weird instinct that something was off and I couldn't pinpoint it. So I go home, she says, rest, take it easy. And then it was probably two days later, I told my husband, you know, I'm feeling like something's still not right. So we actually go to the hospital. They admit me. They say I might just be dehydrated. And they check on Noah. He's great. His heart rate is good. I'm actually four centimeters dilated at this point close to 35 weeks, but not there yet. And I'm still not having contractions. They monitor me all night. They don't see any like intense, close contractions. And so the next morning she says, you know, there's no reason for you to stay because we don't see that your contractions are close enough together. Even though you're four centimeters, you know, you could be four centimeters for a couple more weeks. I didn't necessarily agree with, you know, what she was saying because I didn't think that I was going to last more weeks being four centimeters, just considering how Roman came. And so I go home, I try to take it as easy as you can with a toddler. And it was within 24 hours that I just told my husband something fell off and I wanted to go back to the hospital. This was on a Friday night and our OB was closed. And I said, you know, call your mom and let's just see if she can watch Roman because I really feel like I need to go. And before I did that, we actually reached out to this travel nurse who delivered our first son, Roman. And she is this wonderful woman of God, completely spirit-filled lady And I was telling her kind of what was going on. And when I mentioned that I hadn't felt him move, she said, immediately go to the hospital. That was the first thing that she had said to me. And I remember she just sent me this long voice message of just a prayer. And going back on it, she's told me, like, I knew something was wrong when when you said that to me. We did end up going that night to the hospital. And at this point I was 34, almost 35 weeks because he was born the next day at exactly 35 weeks. But when we went to the hospital, they couldn't find a heartbeat. And, Mm. you know, I knew it. It's, it's crazy to say that I, I knew that it was coming, but when the nurse came in and she said, well, maybe if you sit like this, let's try it over here. I knew something was wrong. I didn't want to believe it, but 
I knew something was wrong. Yeah. So at that point, you had to make the decision, I guess, to go ahead and deliver? Yeah. So um, when they told us that his heart had stopped, they gave us our options to go through, you know, having him right then and getting started on Pitocin for induction or to go home and reschedule it. And mentally, there was no way I could leave that hospital in that state that I was in. And I think my husband and I were just completely numb. You know, it was such a surreal experience to go through because, you know, if you think about it, we already had put in our minds he's coming any day because I'm four centimeters dilated. We thought it was going to be any time to expect him, you know, having the car seat ready and just the nursery ready and all of those things. And so when the nurse said, you know, his heart stopped, I kind of had a flashback to when the nurse had given us the news for Roman and she said he wasn't going to come out breathing. And the time that they put us on that Pitocin and just the waiting around, I believed that the Lord was going to do something and that he was going to come out breathing in the same way that I believed that Roman was going to come out breathing. And I think that's probably the hardest part for us was just waiting those 12 hours for my body to want to go into labor because I wasn't having any any contractions even before this, even though I was so far dilated and just believing that the Lord was going to do something. I mean, those 12 hours, I didn't cry. It was so odd. I think I was just in this mental state of, I am not going to cry because I know God's going to do something. It was, Mm. people might think it's bizarre, but in my mind and Everything that I believed in, I knew that God was going to pull through and heal Noah on this side of eternity. And so once he was born and he came out and he wasn't breathing, I just remember them laying him on my chest and just putting my hand over him and just begging God to breathe back into him. Yeah. And um, he didn't. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I was, you know, very angry with God. Yeah. Just because he is capable of doing whatever he wants to do, you know, and not knowing the reasoning behind why he heals some people physically on earth and why he doesn't heal others was kind of mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I kind of pushed past just the initial trauma of, you know, Noah not being here and realizing that he's in heaven and that the Lord is still good and his character doesn't change. I started to kind of think of things a little differently. Yeah. I know that, that you, uh, just from when we talked before, you talked about that you did go through some anger at that time. I I read quite a bit on your website and and things like that to kind of familiarize myself some more with your story. And one of the things that you had said was that you were really encouraged by something that your aunt said to you and something that your grandma said to you. Uh, Talk about those things. 
Yes, yes. It's crazy. Some of the things that you remember right when someone passes away that you love so dearly, even though you feel like you don't really even know much about them. But those two things that they have said to me have stuck. And I guess it was just days after Noah passed away. We had family call and my grandma has always been someone who just loves the Lord. And I remember telling her, I am struggling. I am struggling. I'm struggling. And she's not local, unfortunately. She lives about six hours from me. And I remember telling her, Nanny, I'm so angry. I'm just so angry. Like I I listen to worship music and I want to praise, but I can't. Like I I can't praise right now. I feel like I can't call the Lord a, you know, waymaker and healer and all of these right. things when he didn't do it for me. Yeah. And one of the things that she said was do it anyway. You know, praise him anyways, right? You don't have to lift up both of your hands, but praise him anyways. And that's always been something that's really stuck with me because he deserves the praise regardless. And even though he didn't heal Noah here, what he did on the cross is good enough for me. And it should be good enough any day, no matter my circumstances, And what he did on the cross is the whole reason why I have the opportunity to be able to see Noah again. Yeah, absolutely. And what did your aunt share with you that was encouraging to you? Oh, gosh. My aunt is another person who, she doesn't live here. She's also six hours away in Asheville, um, but she just told me to keep the faith. Yeah, and they both are really incredible women who have pursued Jesus to the fullest. And it's always been very impressionable for me, even at a young age. And so to hear two women, you know, essentially matriarchs in our family say something like that, who I know have gone through lost themselves was really powerful, especially my aunt. Uh, She actually shared with me that she had a stillborn baby as well that I didn't know about. So we were really able to open up and deepen our relationship there. Uh, She was six months pregnant whenever she lost her baby. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful that you had, like you said, those matriarchs in your family that were able to kind of speak truth into you when you were just maybe not even able to hear it from anyone else, but you were able to hear it from them. God really used them. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely believe that God was speaking through them. And I think Brian and I were just so, so grateful for the community that we had. And even just the outreach of strangers during that time that Noah had passed away, because you have people that are praying for you and interceding for you when you do not feel like talking to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that was really powerful. A lot of times I was curious, uh, you know, is my husband going to turn away from God? Is what's, you know, you have all these questions. It's not, it doesn't even go back to just being about your child at that point. It's, is my marriage going to be able to handle this? How are my relationships going to change? How's my faith going to change? It's, it's a lot, you know, how can I continue to be a good mom to Roman when I'm 
grieving and so many layers to it. Yes, exactly. And I I don't think, you know, until it happened to me, of course, our stories are different, but until it happened to me, I had no idea all of those layers that, that are involved with child loss and how it, how over time, you know, that those (laughs) more and more layers kind of open up or, or peel back in your, on your website, you talk a little bit about how you and Brian prioritized grieving together as a family in those early days after Noah went to heaven. How did y'all do that? Yeah. So I think right after Noah had went to heaven, we were very intentional with just having a lot of family time, like immediate family, like Brian and I and Roman and our parents we actually started saying no to a lot of things because we wanted to just be crazy intentional. And I felt like some of the other relationships we had were just distractions away from what we were really living. And so we just focused on ourselves and we focused on trying to be really open about communication it actually didn't take very long for us to get back into the word because we knew we were so desperate for it. And that actually helped tremendously. We started a grief devotional right before Noah passed away. We we're actually in the book of Job, which wow, says yeah. a lot about our situation to come. Uh-huh. But it just changed the way we really looked at family and closeness and We still wanted to honor the Lord and draw close to Him, even though this season was hard. And so we tried to surround ourselves with people that really had been walking with the Lord for a long time, not people that were new in their faith, because we needed people that were going to be a good, solid foundation for us and, you know, Mm -hmm. able to speak biblical truth to us when we felt like we were going astray or just people that could be vulnerable with us to say, you're going astray is... (laughs) honestly, what we needed at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were very wise about that. Uh, You know, seeking out God's word, seeking out people who could kind of mentor you through this journey um, as a young couple. So I I think that's great. God gave you some real wisdom, I think, to know, you know, the things that you needed to do to help yourselves along. Yeah. Looking back on it, I definitely don't feel very wise or very strong, but I can (laughs) totally see the Lord speaking through people. And I know it was from Him just because of some of the things that were said to us and some of the ways we had been feeling that I hadn't shared with anyone that the Lord kind of just revealed Himself through other people's words for us. So it was Mm -hmm. immensely helpful. Yeah, that's wonderful. So you said when you were introducing yourself a little while ago that you are expecting again. Talk about pregnancy after loss. I can only imagine that there are extra challenges and concerns and uh, just talk about that. Yes, definitely extra challenges. It feels like this pregnancy is like trying to watch paint dry. <laughs> it's <laughs> It feels like it's been the longest pregnancy. And um, I think without, without drawing close to the Lord, 
it could really come with a lot of anxiety and fear. Mm-hmm. And I mean, gosh, it's only been a little over a year that we've lost Noah. We actually found out we were pregnant right after his first heavenly birthday. And so that kind of came with its own set of challenges. Yeah. Just knowing that we would be experiencing milestones with a new baby that we never got to experience with Noah. Yeah, I I feel like I've constantly been praying for the Lord to kind of bring me joy and, and peace through this pregnancy. And the first bit of the pregnancy, I can say I was very, very anxious because I kind of allowed the enemy to plant these little seeds of doubt in me and say, well, what if this baby doesn't make it home? What if this happens again? And by feeding those thoughts, they continued to grow. And so I had to put an end to it. And so I'm like constantly surrendering my mind to the Lord. And um, I mean, it definitely does not mean that I don't still have anxiety because I do. Sure, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Bingo. I will have anxiety and really until she's, you know, born breathing. But even yeah, then, of course. I mean, my ministry, it, it kind of, um, it helps me not be naive to the fact that loss can happen after children are born. And so I'm just trying to take every day as a blessing. And every time she moves, it's just a reminder to pray life over her and, mm-hmm. you know, try and be as, as hopeful as I can. Um, and I really believe that the Lord has something very special for her. And I just don't ever want her to feel like she's living in Noah's shadow. Right. Right. Yeah. A new baby is not a replacement for a baby that went to heaven. No. That is so true. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just another completely unique and special gift from God. Yes. And that, that's exactly what I feel like the Lord spoke to me about because, I mean, our first two children were boys and I I just thought that this would also be a boy. I never saw myself as a girl mom. And I think whenever we found out we were expecting a girl, it was kind of the Lord's way of saying, this is something new. It's not something you've ever experienced before. Like you can have joy in this pregnancy. This is a new life, new, like that's all I kept hearing in my mind was, this is a new life, Mariah. This is a new life, like new life. And so I don't want to look back on this pregnancy and realize that I didn't try to just embrace it in my fullest and experience joy through it. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. So is there a particular Bible verse or verses that you have really leaned on uh, through your grief journey? I wouldn't say that there's any particular verse, but the book of Job is way more significant to me now than it ever has been. At first, I didn't really understand why the Lord did all these things to Job, and um, I just had a lot of questions, and it's, it's weird because we were going through the book of Job when I was pregnant with Noah, and I still had all those questions. And I think some of them kind of got answered for me after Noah was born. And then I got to look 
back on the book of Job and a completely set, like a new set of eyes, if you will. Oh, sure. And so I think the book of Job is, is really powerful to me just to see that God kind of appointed Job for the suffering, knowing Job would still be faithful. And I don't have a specific verse. I don't think I know on the top of my head, but what's really impressionable to me at the end of the book of Job before the Lord doubled what Job had, Job had to pray for his friends. And I thought that was really special because it was the friends who had doubted his faith in the Lord. And so before the Lord could give him a double portion, he had to pray for those specific friends. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of always stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Job's friends were not great friends, were they? (laughs) No, they weren't. There were seven days there that they did great. They didn't say anything. They just sat there with him in his grief. And then they opened their mouths and said some things that were just really stupid, for lack of a better word, and not biblical, not not truth, you know, not the things that, that were helpful at all. And I know it doesn't take long after you have lost a child for each of us to have that experience too. We have people that come in and and say things that are that are incorrect or that are uncomfortable or awkward or things that are just not biblical. Um, and to me, you know, of course, I experienced that after the loss of Hannah. But I always think about people, moms like you, that have lost infants, and I really think people probably say crazier things to people like you than they even do to people like me and even more inappropriate. Um, Was that your experience? (laughs) Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I can, I I think if you talk to any mom who has experienced pregnancy or infant loss, she has a list of things that people close to her have said from her friends or family to strangers. And it's, it's like, it doesn't go away. It could be right when you lose your child, they think, that something is going to bring you comfort. And so they kind of just shoot something off and it becomes something that's plastered in your mind that you go back to and it just makes you angry. And for for me, especially recently, someone had said this to me and I try not to, I try not to hold on to things that people say because then it becomes something more of like my own problem, if you will. Like I'm just like, okay, Lord, they try to come from a place that was, you know, kind, but they don't understand because they have never walked in these shoes. Um, but I had someone recently say to me, knowing that we are now expecting, I know the Lord will be faithful this time. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I was so caught off guard and then yeah. I swear the Holy Spirit was just like, <laughs> just jumped all over me because I said back to this person, the Lord has always been faithful and he has been faithful in Noah's birth. Like he has always been faithful. He never changes. And I think, yeah, I, I don't know where it came from. I guess the Lord, but I'm like, no, God doesn't change. You know, even, even though Noah you know, his death is not what I would have wanted for myself. That doesn't mean that the Lord wasn't faithful. Right. I mean, my goodness, I Noah is living a life better than I could ever imagine giving him here. Like, are you Uh kidding that the Lord's not faithful? (laughs) 
So little exactly. things. Yeah, but you know what I appreciate though is you took it sounds like from what you just said that you took the opportunity to educate her a little bit, which we're not always able to do when we're grieving. You know, sometimes we just can't. But I love that you did and uh you know, to let her know that he was faithful in Noah's home going as well. Yes, yes. And I I think that's sometimes hard for people to see that, especially moms that have just recently lost their children. I see that a lot on Mother of Wild is, you know, we've tried so long for this baby and the Lord finally gave us this child. Why did the Lord take our baby away? And it's really difficult when moms don't understand the spiritual realm that we walk through on earth and just the power that Satan also has here. I mean, I could go into that way more, but... Yeah. 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 I just, I always feel like um, moms who have gone through infant loss or pregnancy loss, like I said, have more inappropriate things said to them than anyone else. Probably most of the time, sentences that begin with the words, at least. Have you had that? Oh my goodness. (laughs) I can see from your response. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We've had many, at least. And I've also had, well, the Lord will bless you with more children or even even the doctors. You know, the doctors don't even say things that are really helpful for parents that are grieving because we're going to a maternal fetal specialist for this pregnancy so they can watch us more closely. And when she was reviewing our chart for Roman and then Noah, just calling, you know, Noah not by his name, just calling him fetal demise, or it was just a fluke that it happened. Like, it's not a fluke. Right. I I don't think that sometimes health professionals understand the weight of the words that they have for families that are grieving. And especially when you have a loss that is so new, not addressing a child by their name when their parents don't consider their child a fluke. My husband's not crying over a fluke. You know, I mean, (laughs) far from it. So it just feels very insensitive and feel like you would expect more from professionals that, I mean, they go into that profession just wanting to help people. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like, the empathetic side goes out the window and just kind of gets replaced with medical terminology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something that uh, physicians probably need to be educated more about for sure. Absolutely. So like you said, it's just been a little bit over a year since Noah went to heaven and you are still very early on this child loss journey yourself but think back, if you can, to those early days of your grief. You know, that advice that your aunt gave you and your grandma gave you. What advice would you give to someone who is just beginning this journey? Maybe maybe especially another mom who has experienced a loss like yours. Yeah. Oh, goodness. One piece of advice. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, you can uh, give several if you want. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. I guess a piece of advice I would give to a mom or dad that's gone through infant loss or early pregnancy losses, your child is, you know, deserves to be talked about. That's something that 
right when Noah passed away, everyone was very hesitant, especially our family, to ask about Noah. And I actually think that made me a little more sad, even though I was already grieving him, not having anyone ask about his birth or what he looked like or how much he weighed, all those little details that should bring a new parent joy just kind of got missed. Nobody wanted to see pictures of him or asked, even though, you know, he had passed away, he was still my baby. And so I just encourage, you know, if you want to talk about your baby, that you should have the opportunity to do so. And don't feel like you have to wait for other people to ask. There are so many resources, especially like, you know, what you guys offer with your retreats. There are so many resources across the country of faith-based organizations that you can get plugged in with other moms who really understand what you're going through that can be a good support system for you. For me, my relationship changed a whole bunch right after we lost Noah. And it was simply because it was hard to connect with other people who didn't quite understand. And so I would beg you to connect with some of these resources that are available for you. They're free. There's tech support. There's local um, small groups. There's online groups. There's support for dads. It goes on and on and on. Yeah. And you've got a great list of resources on your website, which we'll talk a little bit later about your website and kind of um, how people can get connected with that. But I was looking through all of your the, your resource page, and um, I, I was thrilled to see all of those different resources that are specifically for infant and pregnancy loss. A couple of them I'm familiar with. A couple of them were brand new to me. So I'm going to urge people to look at that. And we'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes and your your website. But we'll talk about that more in a minute. I believe that all of us who have lost a child have this very sharp kind of dividing line in our lives, almost like a fault line to me. Kind of a, a everything in our lives is before and after. So talk about the before Mariah and the after Mariah. The before Mariah was very hesitant to share about her faith. The after Mariah is way more bold. (laughs) I'll tell you that. She is way more bold. She is not scared to share about Jesus. She's not scared to share about Noah. I think I'm a lot more vulnerable now. You know, I really see life as being ultra precious. And before Noah, I never really experienced death like this especially someone close to me. And so I think it's really changed the way I see family. It's changed what I say yes to because everything I say yes to, that really means I'm saying no to something else. It's changed quite a bit. I I think I'm way more emotional. Also, I feel like I'm much more empathetic with people's situations, especially other families that have gone through loss. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's where your ministry came from also, which we'll talk about in just a minute. One more question, though, I wanted to ask you is, I want you to think about your relationship with God, kind of the before and now the after. How has it changed and what have you learned about the character of God? I would say my relationship with God before was still very strong. My husband and I 
are pretty dedicated towards, you know, reading frequently throughout the week, talking about scripture. Uh, We do a lot of devotionals. We listen to a lot of sermons individually. We share them back and forth. Uh, We do a lot of things like that. I don't know if most people really Mm -hmm. like listening to sermons, but that's something we like to do. The After Mariah, my relationship with God, I would say right after Noah passed away, it was a little broken just because I wasn't, I wasn't reaching out to God the way that I used to. And I think it was because knowing that he didn't heal Noah here. And like I said, those 12 hours of just waiting for Noah to get here, I knew he was going to. And so I think I had a little bit of resentment because he didn't do it and just wondering why. And after I kind of pushed through all the whys, it kind of led me into a deeper relationship with the Lord than I had ever had before. I think my relationship with God now, I mean, I can feel the Holy Spirit significantly more than I had in the past just because I'm craving to be close to the Lord. And just knowing that He's really the only thing that doesn't change no matter how my situations change and knowing that I am going to experience death again at some point in this life. And so this kind of equips me for when it happens again, whether it happens to someone that I love or, you know, happens to a friend, I think I'm more equipped to be able to lean on him um, and be okay with not knowing all the answers because I don't think that we're meant to know all the answers. Yeah. Possibly the Lord can reveal things to us. Um, And I think for me, Noah's life, even though it was short, a a lot of it has to do with salvation of people that I love, that I've been praying for um, in my family. And I think Noah's life is really meant to draw me close to the Lord and to draw other people close to the Lord through our ministry. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your ministry a little bit. Uh, You and Brian have started this amazing ministry that's doing some really wonderful things. And I'd love for you to take some time to share about exactly what it is that you do. Oh my goodness, I'd love to. Yeah, so right after Noah passed away, I had connected with a couple groups online Facebook groups, and they were mainly for stillbirth and pregnancy and infant loss. And I didn't really say much in any of these, any any of these groups. It just kind of was behind the scenes, but I found many of the moms really wanted to share photos of their children. And they felt like they kind of got robbed of sharing all their baby's sweet birth details, just the story of how their baby was born, even though it was like horrific circumstances, you know, they still wanted to remember their baby in this beautiful way. And I kind of uh, felt like I too got robbed of that same thing that none of my family was asking about Noah or what he looked like or anything. And so I set kind of on this mission to 
create a memorial for him that would honor him in our home and have his photo and all of his birth details and would also have some scripture, just a little bit of encouragement on it. It was supposed to be this talking piece when people would come in and they would see it and they would ask about him. And so yeah. I like prayed about it for the longest time. Like, Lord, do you think this could help someone else? Because I knew the impact that it had on me just seeing Noah's picture up in our home. And I really felt like the Lord was just tugging at me to put it up, just put it up. You know, and I kept telling my husband, well, what's the worst that can happen? You know, no one buys it. <laughs> and so right. we created a website and we put it up and we probably have now close to 30 different child loss memorial prints. Um, they all range from, you know, early pregnancy loss, which some people say miscarriage, but I personally think it discounts just the life that is growing. Yeah. And so we say early pregnancy loss. We have prints for stillbirth, infant loss, and toddlers. And we actually have an all age print too, but our main focus is pregnancy and infant loss. And um, we give parents the opportunity to, you know, share their babies and give them a talking point and really you know, the scripture on there is what does it for me. Just a reminder that we have the opportunity to see our babies again, that they're with Jesus. And um, hopefully something that just continues to point them to Jesus every time they see it. Yeah. And the parents get to choose their own scripture, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, we have a variety of different scriptures on there. But if there's one scripture that resonates with a family that has kind of helped them through their journey of loss. We can put anything on there that they want. Yeah. When we talked on the phone a couple of weeks ago, you said something that I had never thought about before. And, and it was when a mom has a baby, everybody always asks, well, how much did he weigh? And how long was she? And, you know, what, what time was she born? And that kind of thing. But as a mom who loses an infant people don't ask those questions. No, Is that don't. right? Yeah, they don't. I think that people assume they will cause you too much pain by reminding you of your child. But the truth is that nothing someone says will remind you of your child because you are literally living with that pain yeah. every day. Mm -hmm. And so the whole the whole reason behind the prince is just so parents feel like they're able to honor their child in a way that they couldn't before. You know, I mean, we had, thankfully, our nurse take quite a few photos of Noah for us, but I always knew I didn't want them just in a little box that the hospital gave us. You know, I wanted him to be up just like Roman is on the wall. You know, I want him to be talked about because if he's his photos are just in this box. Then sometimes I think my mind questions, well, did this really happen? Was he really born? Yeah. You know, and yeah. that might just be something else that the enemy can kind of throw at you. But I want to honor him and, you know, remember him just like I honor Roman and talk about Roman. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And when he's up there on the wall in, on your, in your home with your other children, yeah. you know, he, he is a part of your family. He will always be a part of your family. And that's just a beautiful way of including him. You know, we have uh, moms who come to our retreats, uh, moms and dads. I don't mean to leave dads out of this conversation. Um, I wish, you know, Brian was able to kind of participate, but I know he's taking care of Roman this evening. <laughs> I know. Um, because that's one of the questions I always, um, if we have a couple that's here talking about um, infant loss is, you know, how the dad kind of, to me, probably tends to get left out of the equation a little bit more than any other kind of loss with infant loss. But that's a conversation for another time. But um, I, I just think it's important. I, I love the idea of having that photo with your family, with your other children, if you have other children, or, you know, just up on the wall in your home. Um, what I was going to say is we have moms and dads that come to our retreats who have lost uh, infants. And we have actually had a couple of times where they have brought a photo that they've never shared with anyone before. And it's so, um, it was so moving to me that they would honor us and our group by sharing this photo with us. That was such a precious keepsake of their child, but for, you know, for whatever reason, they really had not felt comfortable sharing it with others. And I love that your ministry, which is called Mother of Wild, right? gives parents this opportunity to have these beautiful prints made of their children's photos. And to me, when we do have infant lost parents who come and they show us their photos and they display them up there with all, because at our retreats, we have a big display where everybody brings a photo of their child and they're all displayed for the whole weekend and we get to see them and have their names beside them. So we know who they are and all of that. To me, I love seeing those pictures of those infants because it just shows the beauty of God's creation. Um, to me, they're just, they're awe-inspiring. So talk about that just a little bit, the, yeah. the photos that you get to see and work with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Gosh, it makes me actually really emotional thinking of some of these that we do see because you're right, some of the the moms and dads, they have never shared their baby's photo before. And so it's such an honor that they trust us with their child's photo, first of all. And second of all, I mean, I just think of how healing it is to finally be able to get to a point where you want to share about your child in that way. I think a lot of moms and dads, if they've had a, a baby that is pretty young, that has been born uh, I mean, I know for us too, especially when Noah was born, we didn't want people to just see him as a dead baby, you know, because yeah. when you have a stillborn baby, they have a little bruising and their skin changes. And um, sometimes those types of things make people a little uncomfortable. And I think one of the things that we do at Mother of Wild is we offer a gentle retouch option and it kind of gives parents the opportunity to feel a little more comfortable with sharing their child's photo. So we can kind of re remove like any bits of blood or bruising, but try to really preserve their child's photo. So their baby looks exactly how they saw them. But yeah. I mean, my goodness, we've seen, I mean, we print, we print all gestational ages. So know that, I mean, babies, 
we've seen the smallest of babies, babies that mm. fit in mom's hand. And yeah. to me, it points to Jesus more than anything to me. Like yes. it's, it's beautiful. I mean, you see God's hand in all of the details. And so I know a lot of parents can kind of feel uncomfortable because the baby is not fully developed, but to me it is, it's just beautiful. It's just so mm. beautiful. Yeah, I agree. I feel the same way. Now I know, you know, we, we were talking about this as a ministry. You do sell the prints, but you give back. Um, you give back a portion of everything you sell to ministries that support bereaved parents. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So when we first started, I think I shared this with you earlier, we had the model of buy one, gift one, and that just was not sustainable for us at the rate that the orders were coming through and us just being a new little ministry. We were not able to keep up with the demand of that. And I, sure. I'm not sure if one day we'll get back to it, but um, we've recently changed where we just donate a portion, a portion of all of our proceeds from our print to our apparel. And we started having a couple little things in our shop. And so we just connect with other partners like around the country. They all are faith-based, but they all do something a little different just because they have different resources for different people, depending on how you've lost a child. Yeah. And you do have some free things on your website. Talk about the prints that people can download and print themselves. Yeah, we actually do. I, I feel like that was something that the Lord really wanted me to highlight on our website was free memorials for families just because you go through so much uh, right when you lose a child, you know, just the financial aspect of it. So we want our prints to be really reasonable, but even for families that don't necessarily have the funds to create a memorial we have many, many options of free prints that you can go online. Um, it's our tab that just says free memorials, and you can instantly download them. You can print them in the comfort of your home, or you can take them the files to like a local print shop and print them. You can gift them, print them as many times as you want, and we're constantly creating new memorials that are free for families. Yeah. I love those because I looked through them and and they're not all, they're not necessarily specific for infant loss. So anybody who has lost a child can probably find something there that would be uh, just a neat thing to have. All right. So how can people learn more about Mother of Wild? Yes, you can learn more about us just by going to motherofwild.com and wild is spelled like my son's middle name. So it's W-I-L-D-E. Uh, we're on Instagram and we're on Facebook too. The Instagram community is actually really um, populated for families, especially moms that have gone through infant loss. And so if you're looking to get plugged in, I know there's groups on Facebook and stuff like that too, but we're mainly found on our website and on Instagram. Yeah, I know you post a lot on Instagram, and a lot of them are the pictures that you've done, I'm sure, with the permission of those parents. And they are absolutely beautiful. They're just so striking. You. Um, you just do a, a really, really good job. So, And you mentioned something about a coupon code. Yeah. Tell our listeners about that. <laughs> absolutely. 
Um, I would love to offer your listeners 20% off of any of our memorial prints. So um, any of the ones for early loss to stillbirth to infant loss, honestly, we'll just put it across the board. Any of the memorials we have, we'll give you guys 20% off and you can just use the code waiting 20 and then you can get 20% Mm -hmm. off of any of your prints and they come with free shipping already. So. Yeah. And I'll put all of this in the show notes. So people have the links to your website, your Instagram, your Facebook, and that coupon code information. So thank you for that. Finally, kind of changing the subject here, a question I always kind of like to ask in closing, and that is, has music been helpful to you in your grief journey? And if so, what's on your playlist? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes, music is definitely helpful in my grief journey. I don't really know if there's any songs that I don't sob through. I love the song um, called Blessings, Mm, uh, which just talks about the Lord's favor being on your family for generations and generations and generations. And that was actually the last song that I listened to at church when Noah was alive in my stomach. And so Mm. it's always been really special to me. Yeah. Mm, Yeah, that's a great song. I love that one too. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Well, thanks so. I really, really appreciate you having me. I think what you guys are doing at While We're Waiting is so very special. Mm, well, thank you so much. I hope, hopefully one day you'll be able to come and participate in one of our retreats, but right now you've got your hands full of little ones. So <laughs> maybe, maybe a few years from now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would love to take Brian and do that. He would, he would yes. really have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days when the timing is right. So, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing the story of your precious babies. I don't want to forget the first baby too. You've got two babies in heaven waiting for you and uh, just God's faithfulness on your journey. And I think it's really important for people to hear stories like yours and just realize that you know, no matter how long a baby lived, whether a baby took a breath outside of the womb or not, that is a life that is precious to God yes, and, and precious to his or her mom and dad. And that your grief is just as valid and just as real as somebody whose child lived to be five years old or 17 years old, like our daughter or 25 or, or 40. And, um, And that one day you'll have that great joy of being reunited with Noah and your other baby again. Yes, that's, I really couldn't have put it any better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, spending so much time with me and uh, sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being able to share about our ministry and our sweet, sweet babies. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.